0: Okay, um, so uh, I I guess I just wanted to one thank you uh for t- for taking the time out this this morning slash afternoon uh to have some dialogue with this uh obviously Shantae, you have been uh you know collaborating with with Milwaukee um and in the Community Schools partnership here uh over the past couple of months um uh, leading our keynote um for the past two of our uh, professional development conferences um obviously there was a uh, some some great response from from staff who participated uh and so obviously we were looking at ways to how do we continue having this conversation uh how do we continue to um i guess uh, build connections to to our staff who were you know enlightened and moved by the things that you share with them uh during the conference uh and you know what better way uh than to invite you uh into uh, this podcast space which is still semi-new to us uh we're still on like episode three or four i don't even know right now <laughs> um but still semi-new to us um but i do want to kind of just share like uh, I guess, kind of the origin story of how, how this came about. Um, obviously, uh, you know, Poncho, myself, our entire team, we are always having like these really, really great conversations. And I think our positions um, allow us to be in spaces where we can see some, so you know, some really deep work, some really intentional uh, and transformational work that's happening. Uh, And it it doesn't always translate into a state report card. It doesn't always translate into, um, you know, the statistics that we want it to impact, right? Or at least not in those beginning stages. But it's, um, you know, I think it is worth sharing, right? Uh, it's, it's worth getting outside of just these Zoom calls uh, and these boardroom kind of conversations that we we have the luxury of being into um, and kind of share with uh, the general public some of the great things that happened through the community schools model. Um, and so uh, we like, yeah, how can we do that? And, you know, podcast came about. Uh, and so the title of it is Community Soup. Uh, and so there was a book that I got a chance to read when I was in like kindergarten, uh, and we were, like, learning about, like, sharing or something like that, and so we were reading this book throughout the week, Um, it's, like, this village, they're bringing, you know, the resources that they have, uh, and it wasn't, like, an affluent village or anything like that, uh, but they were just bringing what they had. Hey, I got potatoes. I got peas. I got this. I got that, um, and at the end of the book, you know, they had this big feast uh, where everybody got a chance to contribute, um, and so, uh, that was kind of the concept that I that stuck with me. Um, and I felt like uh, it's really a metaphor to the work that we do. Uh, I think we all bring a part of ourselves. Um, you know, uh, that's be- beyond work, right? Like it's a skill set beyond what you put on a resume um, that uh, allows this work to happen. Uh, and so, you know, Community Soup, we wanted to invite you uh, to have these conversations and kind of share some of those uh, pieces of yourself that you bring um, to your work every day. And uh, I know that was a pretty long introduction. Uh, so I'm going to stop talking. Uh, Shantae <laughs> McKinley, um, can you just kind of introduce yourself and uh let folks know uh what it is that you currently do? Uh and then maybe kind of kind of share some of uh the connections that you do have to Milwaukee
1: yeah, so I am Shantae McKinley. I'm the director of the Positive School Center with the University of Maryland School of Social Work, and I am founder of Inspire Educational Trust. Um So I do a couple of different things. One, we are the second largest lead agency for community schools in um the uh, in Baltimore City, uh, following the Y. You know, um, the Y of Central Maryland has um, uh, a number of schools. Um, I coach and support principals. I, I was a previous principal, a Baltimore City principal. Um, for I served Baltimore City schools for 19 years, and I was a principal for eight of those years. And my school was a community school. Um, and so right now I coach about 21 principals on how to sh- transform their schools. Um, And then we do a lot of policy work and um, advocacy work, and a lot of our work is just done through really a racial equity lens. So in utilizing restorative practices and social-emotional learning um, to support communities and nurture communities. Oh, I forgot the main part. And I'm from Milwaukee, so you know, whenever Milwaukee, so whenever you all call me, I'm like, okay, so I'm just gonna come because I am just this person from 26th Street in Milwaukee, Wisconsin.
0: (laughs) No, I love that. Um, And so uh, we, we, you know, Poncho is is here with us. um, And I know the two of you all have been working really closely uh to, to to you know allow you to be the keynote speaker you know he reached out all of this other stuff uh and so poncho i just want to kind of bring you into the space uh to kind of share uh you know what happened how we started to engage with um shantae and yeah like what do we provide i guess uh or what do we curate um uh, for educators
2: absolutely so Every year, the Milwaukee Community Schools Partnership puts together a community schools conference. Um, We usually take over a PD day. And really what we do is we we focus on building the tools in our educators toolkit, right? It's not necessarily telling them like, this is what you have to do, but more, this is something you can do to get your job better. uh, Sorry, get your job done in a more effective way, right? We never want to tell people like, you're not doing it right. We want to say like, hey, this is a, a strategy for you to perfect your trade. And what we do is we offer a dynamic keynote as well as breakout sessions from local and national partners to really help them identify like, hey, that's the piece that I need, right? Or, hey, that's a conversation that I needed to be a part of to really help me move out of this survival mode and start looking at what thriving looks like. What we want to do when we host this conference is really give opportunities for, for educators to learn. I think a lot of times we think teachers have the answers, right? Like, why would they be in front of 30 children every day if they didn't have the answers? But we have to acknowledge is the fact that it's a learning process, right? The way that we're learning today is not the way that we were learning in the 90s, not the way we're learning in the 70s, not the way we're learning in the in the 60s, right? As as the trade changes, we really need to make sure we're supporting our educators to make sure they're their best self. So what we're planning for the conference, what what I like to do, right, is reach out to the team and say, hey, who should our keynote be, Um we we try to get somebody who connects to to our, our schools as well as our coordinators and really speak to the space where they're at, right? And while having those conversations, one of our coordinators shared that when they were at the conference in LA, so the National Community Schools Conference, they're like, Shantae McKinley. That was the email that I received, Shantae McKinley. And I was like, oh, like, why? Like, what's your reasoning, right? And, and Gianna, who's our, our coordinator at Browning, she's like, Shantae McKinley is the answer. So I started doing my research, right? And I saw um, Shantae's website and everything she spoke about was true to the dynamic here in Milwaukee, right? The dynamic of the schools in Baltimore, although, yes, I agree, Baltimore is a totally different place. The energy, the feeling, the the issues oftentimes tend to be somewhat similar, right? Um, So it just made sense. So when I reached out to Shantae, Shantae was like, duh, yes, right? (laughs) I think Milwaukee's home. Like, why would I not want to come home? And uh, we had her present at our December conference for our K-8s through and our high school conference on in February. And to, to speak to what you are sharing earlier, Dom, um, a resounding um, gratitude from everybody, right? Everybody was extremely happy with your presentation. It spoke true to um, our educators, just in the feedback that we've received. Like, I'd say 100%, if not 99.9999999% of educators said that your message spoke to them and like really was what they needed to hear to continue their work and to continue to identify ways to make their work better so I just want to give you your roses while we have you Shante, because you're doing amazing work and, and people are noticing
1: thank you
2: um
0: yeah so I, I appreciate that context um I just want to jump into it. I think a lot of um, you know, how you show up in the present uh, has a lot to do with, you know, uh, your past, right? And uh my first question that I wanted to uh throw your way is, you know, can you kind of describe your uh your your educational journey, right? Like I think I'm I'm thinking mainly, you know, your K-12 experience. Um, but can you just kind of share? I know you said you uh, you know, you are from Milwaukee. And so uh I'll just I'll stop there. I know you have a unique story, but um yeah.
1: So yeah, so I am from Milwaukee. Um I actually went to um 53rd Street. I went to St. Stephen's. I don't even know if St. Stephen's is still there, but I went to St. Stephen's first and then I went to 53rd Street. Um once I got to um uh a certain point in my elementary experience, um my mom applied for the 220 program. And um the 22 220 program um, bus students to different Milwaukee County schools, and so I was able to go to um, Wauwatosa Public Schools, and you know there it was a different experience, right? Um, and then and then we used to live on like 44th Street, so I left 44th Street and moved to 26th Street, so it was a very different experience going to Wauwatosa. I went to Underwood Elementary. Um, for a portion of the time, and um, it was very different going from Milwaukee, leaving Milwaukee, and going to Wauwatosa Public Schools. Um, just my experiences. Uh, even through high school. Um, uh, when you think about like Pizza Hut delivered to our school. Um, and different. Like we had a salad bar. We had different things like that going to Wauwatosa West. Whereas some of my some of my friends that lived in um, that. You know, went to like King or to um, North Division. They may not have had that same experience. And in growing up, and so in growing up, I was just like, I didn't know. Like in in retrospect, you didn't, you don't know that you know what you're feeling. I never felt quite like Wild Tustle West was the place that I should be. But I didn't know why. And I think it's because, um, and just in retrospect, I think it's because there were so many like microaggressions that went on going to a school that wasn't typically used to having Black students. Um, we I was probably one of 40 students, 40 or 50 Black students that went to Wauwatosa West at that time. You got to think about it. It was, um, I graduated high school in 1991. So it was the 80s. Um, So it really wasn't that many black students that went to that school. Um, Left there and um, I went to the University of Wisconsin Parkside, which still was a predominantly white school. And at at some point, my mom and my family said, you know, you need to transition to to something and, and really understand who you are. Um, it is, as a black woman. And then I went to the university, I went to Morgan state university, the illustrious Morgan state university in Baltimore, which is a historically black college. Um, and it was, that was eye opening Cause then that's where I learned about like my experience in elementary school and middle school and how that wasn't the normal experience. Having teachers, Um, at that time, they really didn't know how to relate to, um, my, me and how I learned and culturally, um, they didn't honor my culture. Like I didn't see myself in any, any part of that school. Um, and so I didn't learn that until like, I was in college and, um, my friend was like, I graduated from college. My friend was like, you need to do something. My mom was like, you need to do something. So then I got a job teaching. And I was in education from there. And I started Baltimore City um, Public Schools, and I just never left 20 years later. So it's been a great uh, experience, you know, going to Morgan. I loved it. So I tell people I loved it so twice, loved it so nice, I did it twice. So I got my undergrad from Morgan, and then I'm back there finishing up my doctoral program in urban education at Morgan. So it's been, my educational experience has been quite the journey. (laughs)
0: um okay i do have to take a a a detour or audible i should say Um, so, so you're you're pursuing your doctorate right i got that right yes okay um you're currently a leader of multiple schools right like an entire community schools network right
1: so yes so i am actually i'm a professor at the University of Maryland, and we, and the director of the Positive School Center. So under us, we have a network of community schools. Uh, And and it's so interesting uh, how that happened, because I, um, I was the principal of the wonderful Walter P. Carter Elementary Middle School in Baltimore, and I used to do so much stuff, like, my social media page, everything like you would think my school was a community school. But like we were just doing so many things, and as a principal, I realized like I'm tired. Yeah, I was really tired doing doing the principal thing and then doing all the community thing. And um, one of my um, friends, Charmaine, who is the vice principal of the Y, vice president of the Y, um, of Central Maryland, um, I was I got the opportunity to interview lead agencies for my school. And, um, I Charmaine um came over with the why, and she was like, "Look, you're already doing the work. We just need to bring a person that'll help you maximize what that work looks like." and also help you to bring the community in which your school sits more into the school, right? Because I always think of like, the school doesn't belong to the people that work there, the school belongs to the community. Mm -hmm. And so the community should have access to the school. And so they provided that access to the school. Um, And so, you know, became a, 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 a community school, And I was partners with also the University of Maryland and they stole me from uh, Walter B. They stole me from Walter To because it was about culture and climate too, right? So um, with us, we merge. Our community schools are a little bit different because we merge this conversation around um, culture and climate and also community resources, right? So if I'm doing restorative practice training at a school, we're also gonna do that with parents. And we're gonna do that with community members. So we're all speaking the same language. So if you're in one of the community schools, it is not rare that we start off or, or the coordinator starts off a meeting with the restorative circle, right? If there's a community issue, all of my coordinators are trained in restorative practice so it's not rare for them to have even though it was a community issue it's not it's not rare for them to have a, a restorative conversation or a restorative conference to bring people back in so that the community can heal so you know it's it's it, we just kind of merged everything together that was a lot right i know you're like that's a lot <laughs>
0: No, that that I, that actually was perfect. Uh, when I initially, you know, uh, interjected to ask that question, I had a a a direction that I wanted to go, uh, and then I was like, okay, let's throw out out the window. Like this is, what, you know, the information that I was getting. it was more interesting, and I, I think something that stuck with me, and I'm glad you brought it up, was the lead agency, and um, you know, you going through the process of looking for a lead agency for your school. Um, and I think this is a perspective that, um, I think the pandemic didn't necessarily allow me to get like the real response, right? Or like, what is it that you're really looking for? You know, from the principals that I work with, just cause you know, they are virtual and you know, you don't get a chance to kind of go in and just kind of sit in their office and see like, all right, like what is it that you really want? Uh, and so I, I do want to ask you being a former principal, um, you know, what is it that you're specifically looking for? You know, like from a lead agency, how are you looking for them to uh, to contribute? Uh, are there things that you're looking for for, uh, for them to have as like a precursor before, you know, you feel like they are a right fit? Um, and so, yeah, just kind of break down your, your thought process um, of identifying a lead agency.
1: So, yeah, I think that each school is very unique. Um, For me, um, for Walter P., I really wanted to do a lot of work around youth development, right? So I had um, some parent, I had a lot of parent engagement. I had um, some community partners, but I really needed to, because social emotional development is very important to me. And so I was looking for lead agencies, several, I interviewed several of them, um, and the wise focus was youth development. And so they came with this program that I was able to select um, because I think that when it comes to schools in um, urban cities like Milwaukee, Chicago, um, Baltimore, it's all about um, access and exposure, right? That's the key. Um, and so the Y gave developed a program, and they came to me um, with a program that provided my students with access uh, with. Things like across the country, and I think that that was what sold me on them. Um, but I also, you know, on the flip side being a lead agency and working with principals and having principals come to me and like, okay, so we want we want you to be in our school, but I really have to be very clear with them about like what is it that you actually want. So like, what are you looking for? Because our lead agency is specific. Most of our community school coordinators are social workers so we're going to take a very macro perspective about like how do we um how do we create sustainable systems in schools um so that if we leave the the school isn't left in a deficit, right? So we're always going to create sustainable systems to ensure that there is food access, there is um, um, programs for parents, like those are uh, there's stuff for attendance. So that's what we're going to do, and that's what our lead agency is about. Like we're not we're not going to give you the programs of like yes, we'll support you to find after school programs, but it's the youth development piece is not going to be what we we don't have clubs and we don't do those things we really work on like what's our system how do we create sustainable systems for families and parents how do we make sure that we provide eviction um prevention how do we do those things right um especially in some of the communities that we serve um that's our focus and so and also how do we improve what it looks like feels like sound like for students as they enter your building so part of it is like In order for you to be our community school, you have to agree to be part of our climate collaborative. That means that you want to change what this whole ecosystem, like this whole system is about, because we know the educational systems are what they are. They're doing what they're supposed to do. But so we have to interrupt them. And so if a school is ready for us to interrupt that system right, then we're there to help them, advocate, teach parents how to advocate, teach parents how to push push back. That's that's what we do. And for some people, that's not their thing, but some principals, that's their thing.
2: I I wanted to jump in and kind of highlight something that you said, right? One thing that you said was like, yes, like these are our buildings, right? Like we own the brick and mortar, but like the school belongs to the community. And as you're talking about sustainability, I guess my question to you is why is it so essential that the community is part of that sustainability? Um, and before I let you answer it's I think one of the realities that we see a lot of times is, hey, we as a community school, like, hey, I had four parents tell me that they are having trouble with eviction. So we do a pop-up evision, eviction um, session, right? We'll reach out to ACT Housing, we'll reach out to uh, community advocates, we'll reach out to all of these agencies and have this one hour presentation. And then we, we shake their hand, right? pat them on the back, and then we hope that these families are able to uh, access those resources. But we know that's not sustainable, right? Because maybe I wasn't facing housing insecurities yesterday, you have the session, and now I am today. So I guess when we talk about, one, giving ownership back to the community, like, how do you do that? And then how do you do that in a sustainable way?
1: Yeah, so we have to understand, unless, unless we live in the communities in which we serve, right which is always a great thing like it's it's this is their this is their space like we're visitors in their space right and so it you know so my school was about to be a 21st century school so it was merging with a different um with the school up the street and i didn't know that because i wasn't there um years ago when the school was really built um the neighborhood the way the zoning of the neighborhood is the people that lived right next door to the school could not go to the school they had to go to a school up the street and so generationally right they harbored this anger towards the school that I was the principal of because it looked like I had a swimming pool and I was the community school like the the swimming pool the rec center was connected like I ended up taking over all of that uh, because the city was going to close it down, so I took over everything because I was like, the city, that the neighborhood needs it, but they couldn't attend the school, um, and which was crazy to me. Uh, and what I had to in this merger process, I realized that very thing that we are just like the brick and mortar is the brick and mortar, right? Like we're just visitors here. This is this is this. Each community has history. They're going to be here far past, you know me leaving eight years there's there's still family members that live in that community so it's important that we we support families um so that they know that there's resources out there and they have access to those resources because it's that it's their community we're just visitors in that space definitely
2: um
0: there was another thing that i'm maybe want to ask you to expand on a little bit more um, you mentioned systems um, and i know a lot of uh, our work um has a lot to do with uh maybe reemphasizing um the 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 systemic work that we are doing as opposed to uh you know maybe some of the uh, the outcomes of right uh some of these planning meetings right like that we don't necessarily share right we we'll we'll, sh- we'll share the homework diner we'll share you know uh the initiative that brought students together that was a good photo opportunity uh we love doing that um but i think you know sometimes the message uh gets misinterpreted where you know being a community school means you get all of the photo opportunities and the fun things um you know, but not necessarily understanding, you know, maybe uh, some of the things that happen underneath um, that iceberg, right? Like that's not as visible. Um, and so, you know, you said we do system work. Uh, we don't necessarily do like the clubs and, and, and things like that. Uh, can you just kind of like share uh, and expand on that piece uh, a little bit more?
1: Sure. So like that iceberg piece, the, 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 the things that are underneath we do. So there's a component of, um, the positive school center where we do advocacy and policy work. So any, like right now, um, uh, the concentration of poverty index has changed for, um, Baltimore, for the state of Maryland. So we have groups of people advocating that, um, that advocating for that so that it is, so that the families will get all the resources. So like we consistently do that advocacy work and then we consistently make sure that parents and families in the community are aware of like what's actually going on, right? Um, And teach them, like we've taken families and people to testify about different um, bills that may have come up. We, we have our students that do a lot of the advocacy work, not just around community schools, but around anything that has to do with community schools. So when we think about those systems and kind of disrupting or dismantling those systems, we... We, we try to do small things to ensure that the people in the community are able to do it for themselves. Like for example, training students to be part of boards, um, nonprofit boards or, 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 or anything like that. So we do a lot of that work, but then also like as a bigger organization and we're an anti-racist organization, um, we really do a lot of work to dismantle um, Especially because we're Baltimore City, dismantle these these things that are happening in the city, like housing insecurity, different things like that, so that our families can have spaces where they're able and they can have access to resources too. So um, that's what I mean, like dismantle systems by looking at housing insecurity, looking at financial literacy, looking at all of those things that underneath, yes. We do the food pantry. Yes, we do all of those things, right? We, we help with, um, uh, like one of our schools just had a step show. Like we do all the things, but really it is going deep. Like how do we break these systems that are oppressing, um, our communities, especially like the communities that we serve? Like we're in like the Druid Hill area. You don't know, you may not know Baltimore, but it's a really it's an area where um we're in we're in spaces where marginalized communities live. Right. And so because we're in those spaces, we need to make sure that they're able to advocate for themselves and they have access to those resources. And so we put things in place so that they to make sure that they do.
0: Yeah. Um that last piece got me thinking too um you know just being in the communities that that need equitable improvement right okay. uh and so for us i th- I think about our i think about north division i think about uh you know uh some of those schools that are community schools um and i'm, I'm saying all of this to try to connect uh a, a point right but like um I want to say right before I joined community schools, the national uh, convening was in Baltimore. I want to say maybe 2017, 2018. Poncho got a chance to go. I, I didn't. There. Me... Okay, so you two were there, right? And, I, and I'm saying, <laughs> uh, you know, to say that um, although, right, like we're in the Midwest, Baltimore is on the East Coast. Um, you know, there are a lot of similarities, right? And I think, you know, I want to, I, I want to hear directly from you, like how. Uh, you know, maybe your Milwaukee upbringing, you know, prepared you, you know, for what you were uh, experiencing in your professional space uh, out in Baltimore? Um, and are there things that, you know, w- that we're slow on, right? Like, are there best practices that we need to get hit to here in Milwaukee that, you know, has proven to be successful in Baltimore? Um, but I'm, I, I know, right, like in education spaces, nonprofit spaces, we have this thing where it's like, you know, it worked there because it was specific to that but we don't necessarily take the time to look at like the connecting uh, factors and variables. Um, but yeah, I'm going to stop talking again uh, and just kind of, you know, like share, like, what are, you know, some of the similarities that you see and maybe Poncho chime in with, you know, your experience about the national conference back then as well. So,
1: I, you know what, I, you know, this notion of it worked there, but this city is different. So like schools say that all the time, like it, It worked, so it it worked at that school, but our school was unique. Yes, your school is unique. It is, and I don't want to take that from you. But systems of oppression are systems of oppression, no matter whether you're in Milwaukee or whether you're in Baltimore, right? So, so you know, when I think about Milwaukee, Milwaukee is, you know, it's documented. I read somewhere like it's one of the most segregated cities, right? Baltimore is probably should be on that list too it is like it is very segregated um the the difference i think is and i'm not for sure and you guys can maybe speak to this like we are we um are doing a lot of work around um uh around uh healing spaces so like we have a healing center we have a healing um initiative right the mayor and the and city council, like every person in parks and recs, um, every person that touches kids, every like everybody has to be trained in restorative practices. Every it's like a it's it's a healing center, healing city initiative. So I think that we acknowledge that there's a lot of stuff. Like you know, Baltimore is very um, you know has a very high murder rate. It's it's it you know. It is and I'm in Milwaukee. It's it's the same way. Um it but I think the difference is is Baltimore kind of just acknowledges the fact that as a city, as a city, we need to heal. And so they have created this healing city um initiative. Um but growing up living in um living in Milwaukee, I really, you know, there's very little difference between Milwaukee and even going home now and Baltimore. So the strategies that are working in Baltimore, and I and I'm not saying that we get it right, but what I'm saying is that we're always trying to to find different ways to um to develop um our strategy. Because when you think about equity, I think community schools is like the cat like the vehicle to create equitable spaces, right? So you give communities, um, you find out what communities' needs needs are and you provide them with those needs. Like that's part of equity. It's not giving everybody the same thing. It's just figuring out uniquely what you need. And I think that um Baltimore community schools and you know I'm sure you all do too, you look at each school uniquely and figure out what they need and provide them with the resources. So I, I think that, you know, we're very similar in um, how we function and how we operate. I've, and we may have like all of Baltimore city schools are almost like 150 of them are all community schools. And so that may be a little bit different because I'm not for sure how many you all have, but um I think it's just a larger number of community schools. So we're able to create a, a a network with just within Baltimore City alone, not even the state of Maryland, just Baltimore City alone, when you have 150 schools that are all community schools.
2: Yeah, so I think I know that's our dream, right? We hope that every school can be a community school, but we, we need to make sure that the systems are there, right? It sounds like in Baltimore, it was like an initiative. It was there were strategies, There was purpose. There was direction for it. And that's where I I feel like that's where we are as the Milwaukee Community School Partnership. We're finding our purpose, finding our direction. Right. We're currently in a state of pivot. Um, But something that you said really rings true to my experience, even though I was only there for four days during a conference. But one of the things that I love about the national conference is when you get to go visit other schools. Right. You do the site visits. And I love the site visits because I think a lot of times people say like, oh, you know what, you're Milwaukee this is Baltimore, right? Or you're Milwaukee, this is LA over here, right? Or you're Milwaukee, we're Eau Claire over here. Or Eau Claire, sorry for any listeners that that might might have been uh, disturbed by my pronunciation of a town that I can't pronounce. But like little pieces like that, I think is is true, right? Like, yeah, like your poverty index is totally different from Milwaukee's, right? Or yes, like your root issues are totally different from Milwaukee. But when you walk into your buildings, right? When you walk into those schools and when you walk into those classrooms, I see children right and what's best for children should be best for children everywhere right i totally agree like the strategy is going to be different and the reason i say that is because when we were in baltimore we went to a school who was launching a pantry right and they're like you know this might not work in your town but it, it works here and like everyone's kind of trying to justify like why this is our unique cool thing but the thing was like when i was working at at, at the high school that i was at, right? I, was, I was a South Division high school like i saw kids that didn't have jackets right? The same way that kids in Baltimore didn't have jackets. Like I saw families that the school that I went to, they constantly talked about how like once a month they get a huge meat delivery and they're able to give meat to all the families, right? So they're like every like third Thursday, right? They're like, we give out ribs and the families line up and we give, I was like, hey, our, hey, I like ribs, right? <laughs> like why, where are my ribs type of thing? But but I see like the the very, the crossings between like what what a school in Baltimore is and what's here. And actually, uh, Glenn Carson, who's our director, when he was um, in Baltimore with us, he said, like, the school that I visited reminded me of my school. So he's like, I was at the Hopkins Lloyd of Baltimore while he was working at the Hopkins Lloyd in Milwaukee. So he was able to bring some of those ideas and some of those things that work in Baltimore and implement them at his school. And it was a a good example of how, like, a lot of times, and this is actually going to lead into my question, right? A lot of times we say, like, that's a them thing. Like, that's a strategy that works for them. It will never work for us. But we have like small, yet very dynamic, small, yet very powerful examples of how something that works somewhere else, we brought it back and it's a game changer, yeah. right? Yeah. Like the, the Hopkins team brought homework diners and this year we have the first lady come and visit our homework diners, right? So like little things like that, like if you're not willing to innovate, then you stay the same, right? Yeah. Um, so that's going to lead to my question. And my question is, how do we get to the work? right? I think a lot of times we have the conversations, we sit in the meetings, right? We have all of this stuff. But then when it comes to implementing the work, the conversation turns into like, that's extra, right? And we constantly hear that where it's like, we don't have the capacity, we don't have the time, we don't have the opportunity, we don't have the the bandwidth, we don't have food, we don't have this, we don't have that. But like, how did it happen that in Baltimore, right? And I'm not saying that again, it's not going to be a copy paste, but like, Mm -hmm. what were those things that got you to the point where you were able to do the work and not have people think that this is the extra, right? How did, how did people get into the zone where they said like, this is the work? Um, I'm interested in that.
1: So I think that part of it too, and this is, this is not like the, I don't know how the answer for everything, but I think the, I think part of it too, they began one, legislatively, we every school at like it's it's in our state legislation that every school has to be a community school, right? that has a certain poverty index, right? So it's not like and like this is an option type of thing. They are. they have to be. So legislatively, um, it's that way. But then, too, I think what people, you know, I think that people, need to kind of understand how impactful small steps can be. Because a lot of times when they look at community school work and they look at, you know, the community has so many needs. It has so many different things like we need to do. But if we can take the smaller steps, the most, like I used to tell my team, like what is going to create, what is the small step that's going to create the largest impact? Um, so if we could take those small steps, and I think that's what Baltimore did. It began to take these smaller steps of like, okay, we just need to have a person in a school that's focused on community work, right? And then we need to look at the strategy and, and figure out like, how do we not only um, begin to systematize, systematize the strategy, but how do we um, measure its effectiveness. And that's something that we're still working on, working on measuring the effectiveness of like um, of community schools. That is a consistent question about the value of community school, especially when you're looking at uh, a lot of our high needs schools still have their data is not reflecting it. But what I think community schools does do, it tells you the story behind the data. Right, so yes, attendance may be um, low. Yes, suspensions may be high. But what's the story behind the data? And I think the community school strategy is able to to provide that story. So I think that it's really like small steps of... um, the small most impactful steps in schools like okay so at this particular school we're just going to focus on we're not going to look at the whole strategy right we're just going to look at attendance and so how do we begin to move attendance because i think people just get overwhelmed with community school overwhelmed that's something that i work with our coordinators Um, i work with my assistant director to work with the coordinators on like they're doing they're trying to do too much and it it so when you try to do too much you end up not doing anything so it's just figuring out what's the key thing what's our goal what are we going to do this year for this particular school and making the steps to create that biggest impact because otherwise it just seems overwhelming and people are not going to do it
0: um can you can you share your uh maybe your uh I don't want to say biggest accomplishment, but the thing that you're most proud of uh, or the initiative that you were a part of that you, you know, you feel like was the home run uh, since you've been, I guess, involved in community schools or in the education space. um, What was that initiative or what was that thing that you were able to accomplish that you always pat yourself on the back about?
1: Oh, okay. So so when we became... um, So when I first came to the Positive School Center, we had four community schools, that's it. Um, And I think that now we have 12 um, and we'll have two more next year. Um, I think that for me, I believe that people talk with their feet Uh, um, and so, because there's choices out there for lead agencies. And I feel like that the note, this idea that we consistently get people that apply for us to be their community school lead agency, we consistently get people that want to partner with us. I think that that's like a huge accomplishment. Like we just got the full service community, the Department of Education full service community grant, and we just we did it, and we almost had a perfect score on the evaluation. Like we are like. I, for me, it's like they're my community school coordinators and the the whole community school team. They are they are really pushing the envelope and doing the work of like how do we really support families? And I think that that is you know something that I'm so I'm excited about. Like we're the only school in Maryland that got that, but then too, like our numbers are increasing, so like people value what we have. And a smaller thing that really excuse me I'm sorry a small it's not small but so we did a parent um again restorative practices is huge for us so we did a parent um restorative practice session at one of our schools it was so many people there like and people were like I use so it helped parents connect school language with home language. So they were able to do restorative, like if they had three kids, they were able to do a restorative circle at home with their kids instead of any other form of discipline, right? So I just, so that made me so excited because now people see kind of like my vision of like, how do we intertwine the two? So that culture and climate, because we know that culture and climate can't change without families, right? and partners in schools? And, and then how do we overlap the two to bring them all together? And I, I I got really, I get really excited about that when people see that they overlap and they can see how they could benefit one another.
2: And, And that's a, that's a beautiful story. And that spoke straight to my heart because like, right, I was a past educator and there's so many times where like, I would sit in a room and hear like a teacher tell a parent, right? Like, you know, Panchito does this in the classroom and he does this in the classroom and he does that in the classroom. And the parents' response is like, he never does that at home, right? And right away, people were like, no, 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 that mama's lying, right? Mama Panchita, (laughs) she's lying because Panchito, he's nothing but trouble. But then I quickly realized that it was the dynamic and the culture difference between the classroom and the home, right? At my house, if I was trying to do something that I wasn't supposed to all my mom had to do was look at me and I knew right away where it's like, let me put these hot chips back, Right. And in the classroom, if it's a totally different dynamic and we don't have that level of respect, not even respect, that level of understanding, it turns into a space where, hey, you ain't going to do nothing, right? Not just the student to the teacher, but the teacher to the student as well, right? Um, So so hearing the the fact that you were very intentional about building one culture as opposed to a home and school culture really speaks to that point that you're making where like this, the school is part of the community, right? You I know think what,
1: I wanna just add, sorry, I just wanna add what you're speaking to is just about relationships, right? The, The premise of this whole thing is restorative practices, community schools, like schools in general, is about like, how do we build sustainable, reciprocal relationships with schools and community and amongst one another? So it's mutually respect, like everybody without positionality, everyone is respected in the space for everything that they bring to um the every everything about them all their intersectionalities everything about them comes into this space and they're honored and they're respected and I think that's what it's about it's about like building those relationships that are not superficial relationships that are really grounded in like I really sincerely want to get to know who you are and honor who you are. And honor your culture, and, and and I think that that's important.
2: Yep, and, and I guess like that—that's community schools, right? In community schools, like we, when we talk about opening the door, and this is not like a uh, anti-vax or pro-vax like conversation, right? Like when we talk when we talk about our metaphorical doors, and we open them up, not just to kick people out, right, but to allow people in. That's when we start creating that space, and I think that's the scary part. Right. I think a lot of times as we have conversations with people, they say like, I know you talked about some of the examples in Baltimore, but like when we talk about people here in Milwaukee, they say like, yeah, but you know, like crime rate is through the roof, right? The Kia boys, if we open the doors, the Kia boys are going to come in, right? So we hear those conversations. So if you could give one tip to get over that fear of opening our doors, right, and and building that culture, building that relationship, building that trust, building that love for one another. You. This is this is the one tip you have to package up and throw it on shelves so we can all buy it. What's that one tip to get us to that point where we're able to build those relationships?
1: I was talking to somebody yesterday, and they said the most effective way to creating a space is holding space for people, and I think that that is key. I think that being able to hold space for people that 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 without and the key is we're holding spaces without judgment and so i think that that's the one thing that if schools if communities if people were able to be the space for people um then people would build the relationship that they need to build with them Um, i think so much we so many times we come in with these assumptions of what schools need and um so so for me, I go into my school community with my middle-class values and everything like that and say, okay, well, this is what I feel like. Y'all don't have a grocery store here and I don't know why because I got 15 grocery stores by me and I don't know why it's like this. So I you all need food, a food drop or food. And they're like, "Ma'am, we didn't ask you for that. So it's like making sure that people, that we hold space and listen to what people need um, and just have that reciprocal relationship. So I think one key thing for me would be just creating space for people to have voice and tell us what they need. and that's the way we build relationships
2: holding space without judgment that's that's it, right? That's the start. That's what we need to kick it off. So no, you, I think because that really that really speaks to some of the realities that we see not just here in Milwaukee right, but across the nation where mm-hmm. to the point that you're making, right? What do you mean like parents aren't showing up? Like we created parent night on Wednesday at two o'clock in the middle of the day, right? Like, and no parents showed up. And it's like, okay, but we're in a predominantly working class community, right? Are you in a community where both parents um, are at work or it's a single family household, a single parent household and they're working, right? But we continuously use that example of like, we're creating space. But creating space is different from holding space, right? Creating space is, this is the schedule, right? This is noon on yeah. a Monday, right? Yeah. That, that's creating the space. Holding the space is allowing those individuals to come in without judgment when they can, if they when can, they can. How they
1: can. However they want to look, right? Yep.
2: If I pull up in my PJs, take take my word for the same word as a person in a suit, right? Yes. If I come in with with my hair in a hat, right? Take it as the same way as a person who has the the... The cowlick, right? Um, when what, yes. whatever, whatever people show up, like, but be intentional about that. I think that, that spoke to my heart. So I appreciate that. Um, no, I love
0: this conversation. Uh, I do have one, I guess, one last question that I wanted to to throw your way. Uh, I know I started with the, I guess, over the elaborate, you know, introduction to like community soup and like, you know, bringing a piece of yourself to the table. Uh, and so I guess my question to you, right. Uh, and this, this metaphor that I've been running with, uh, what is it that you, uh, bring to the table? Um, that's like your superpower or like your contribution, um, to, to, I guess, making a whole community. Um, I guess that's the first part of the question. And then the second piece of it, um, uh, is what do you appreciate most of others when they bring that particular thing to the table? I guess you can be a little selfish on that on the back end of the question.
1: Yeah, so it's so funny because I used to think that I bring, um, cause I smile all the time, like all the time. And I'm like, I I was doing a session in Chicago and I was like, I bring a warm smile to make people. I can make people talk or whatever. And the lady, this lady said to me, I don't think that that's your superpower. And I was looking at her like, first of all, tell me what my superpower is. But she was like, I really think it's your authenticity. And I really think it is my authenticity. Like to think like, you have, like, I have to, I always have to think about like where I came from. 26 an hour is where I was like, I'm just this, this black girl that was from 26 an hour. And who am I to sit in judgment or to even, um, uh, to think that I am, um, something better than anyone else. And I think that I just show up exactly who I am. Um, and, and I accept people with that ont- authenticity, I accept people for who they are, um, and all that they come with. And I, and I kind of see beyond, um, um, just the person that is sitting in front of me, like a, a, a black male. I'm going to think about like all the experiences that he could have had. Right. Uh, uh, I'm going to think about like, you know i'm going to think about those things when i and and be empathetic about it right so i think that that is what i bring just this level of authenticity and just accepting people for who they are and how they show up without trying to change them and loving them through whatever it is um and what i appreciate about people when they do that they allow me to they allow me to be free i think freedom is something that um we, I value, um, and they allow me to be free to be whoever I want to be. If I want to go to a boardroom with a suit on and a t-shirt with, with the slogan on there, I'm going to do that. Like they allow me to be open and free, um, and, and which helps me provide voice for those people that may not have voice. Right. Um, so yeah. So I think like my authenticity, like I'm like the home girl. <laughs> so and I appreciate that people appreciate that about me and they allow me to be that
0: no I love that uh and that excuse me uh that that second piece is you know what is it that you appreciate from others when they bring um this particular thing you know so what do you what are you looking forward to uh, I know I was like, yeah, like who bringing the sweet potatoes or whatever but um <laughs> so like what's that thing you know and I guess when you are uh, building community or amongst community uh with mm-hmm. others um what do you enjoy when, when when others show up with so
1: I so I definitely enjoy that I, I enjoy when others show up with um openness right like i i enjoy i like i i appreciate when other people show up with this sense of openness to whatever could be right and i think that that's important especially in our work in different communities and they're not stepping into communities with these closed-minded agendas of what it should be and what how it should be and i appreciate like when people come and they're just open to you know the experiences of uh, the community that we're serving,
0: um I don't know if Pancho if you had another question, but that that was you know kind of the list that I had um, you know, again, I want to say thank you for you know, taking the time out on this Friday afternoon morning ish um <laughs> to to you know to really just politic with us um obviously we you know, we've been working. Uh, for the past couple of months. And um, I'm hoping that we can continue to do so. Um, and again, you know, with this conversation, being able to, you know, uh, invite others into the type of, yeah. uh, you know, conversations that we are having. And, you know, these are the things that are, uh, you know, not necessarily keeping us up at night, but like keep keeping our wheels churning, right? And um, And, and, you know, I think the more folks who are uh, invited to uh, listen in and take part in those conversations, allow it to be, you know, uh, a starting point or spark to, you know, other conversations and spaces that we may not be in. um, I think it makes for, uh, you know, better schools, better neighborhoods, better communities um, and so on. Uh, And so, again, I thank you for your words and wisdom. Um, Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. We look to continue to, you know collaborate in the future as well
2: absolutely just want to say thank you again and always 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 keep being Shantae from 26th street um don't <laughs> let that ever leave you right i know they always say like you could take somebody off the block but you can't take the block out of them right like that's just the way <laughs> we are right like keep being yourself in every space that you show up because sometimes that's what we need yep.
1: and thank you all for having me again
2: thank you Perfect. Always. Anytime you get a chance, we're going to come back to you. So.